Welcome to the Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Vienna Assembly of God, located right here in Vienna, Virginia. We're so glad you've joined us today. I hope you enjoy today's sermon. Good morning, and welcome to Church Online. Today is what is marked on the church calendar as Pentecost Sunday, and we will be celebrating that today, and our church uh, worship format is going to be a little different today. We will be beginning with prayer. Pastor Craig will be coming in a moment and praying over you, those that are seeking the Lord for a specific healing in your body or a specific need. So I just want you to go ahead, collect yourself, be ready uh, to enter into that moment of prayer. And then we are going to move from that into today's message. I have a strong message from the Lord for us today. I have a somber message from the Lord for us today. In the middle of a celebratory message about Pentecost. So I'd like you to prepare your heart to be ready to receive that and then we will flow from that message into a responsive time of worship where we will be inviting the Holy Spirit to do his work that only he can do in our hearts. Thank God that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all of us. And we are going to dive into that in a deep and meaningful way today. But whatever you may need to do, to adjust because this order of things is a little different. I want you to take the space right now and do that. Prepare yourselves and we're going to get ready to have church. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, and it's written in red, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That includes power over your sickness. That includes power over every, every disease. That includes power over coronavirus. That includes power over everything. And today, you have the opportunity to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And right now, at this moment, is a moment for you to reach forth your faith and believe for power over the sickness the disease that you are encountering, others are encountering. Let us believe the word of Jesus that says you will receive power in Jesus' name. Now that you've received it, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. In a relationship with God through Christ Jesus, you are empowered with the Holy Spirit. I want you to take authority over that sickness and that disease and this global pandemic called COVID-19 in Jesus' name. Are you ready? Are you ready? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray together in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we come. We don't come in our name. We don't come in the authority of our name. We come in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth who is sent by the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And just as the Holy Spirit anointed and empowered Jesus, the Holy Spirit is empowering us. And now we pray for ourselves and we pray for others. In Jesus' name, 
and we say to COVID-19, go, throw yourself into the sea, according to Mark chapter 4. We pray for every sickness and every disease to yield to the power of Jesus and to be healed, to be healed by his wounds. You are healed and you were healed in Jesus' name. Now, thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We pause and say, thank you, Lord, that in a relationship with you, through Jesus, we are powerful and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And no sickness, no disease has power over us. In Jesus' name, thank you for your power. We receive it, and we will operate that power for your name and for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to this Pentecost Sunday. I uh, need to give my crack tech team a heads up. I'm going to ask you to pass the piece in a minute. I don't know where you're joining us from, uh, but here in Northern Virginia, it's a beautiful day. Crisp, fresh air outside, the sun shining, unable to see from where I am some of the scarred, burned out buildings and tragedy that is going on around our nation right now. If we ever need to pass the peace, I think today is the moment that we need to do that. So at the right here at the beginning, I wanna ask you to do that, to pass the peace to one another, just saying to each other, peace be with you. Let's do that. I also want to encourage you that if you know others that may be looking for a word of hope this morning, that may be extremely discouraged on this day, after the difficult week that we've come through together, I want you to invite them right now to join us for church. I believe that the Lord has a word for us that will be an encouragement that will be a good word. And so go ahead and call them up. As I said, the, the service order is very different, and so we're going to get into the message here in just a moment. But let's come together and trust the Lord for his goodness here with us. I, I want to share just a quick bit about uh, some of the things that I've seen from other ministers and, and just to encourage us in the Lord that God is doing a work all around. One of my minister friends that pastors uh, in Frederick, uh, Maryland area, Point of Rocks, uh, she held an all-night prayer vigil last night. I wasn't, I didn't get the uh, link about it until this morning, but she invited people, and there were several people just joining with her in prayer through the night, praying for peace and, and restoration to come to our nation. Uh, Pastor Josh Wesley out in Manassas joined to subdue what could have become a bad situation and came in there as with the light of Jesus and made a difference. And um, I just want to say thank you for doing that. I listened this morning to Pastor Martin Pickett's message 
as he shared with his church. And it, you may not know him, he's African American, and the majority of the people within his uh, congregation are also African American. And just to hear what he is saying, and, and I want to give you a couple of quotes that, that he gave. Um, he said, he, he, I didn't capture the exact quote, but he did say that he would cry out for the, the violence and, and the um, destruction to end. Um, he, he, he's not supporting that, but he said, brothers and sisters, keep showing up. Don't run away. Don't act out. Overcome this hatred with love. And so I just want to encourage us that God is at work through his ministers today. I expect his word to go forth with power today, and I want you to be ready to hear what he has to say to us. So today is Pentecost Sunday. Churches around the world are marking this day, looking back to the moment when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 in the upper room, like a sound of a rushing mighty wind filling the place, flames of fire descending over each head, and the people beginning to declare the wonders of God in diverse tongues. As we continue our series on hope, this day marks one of the most hopeful events to have ever taken place. Jesus had told his disciples to wait because the Holy Spirit was coming. He said it was good that he was returning to the Father. Otherwise, this next chapter in God's salvation story would not come to pass. We are living in the reality of God's Spirit poured out on all flesh, the blessed Holy Ghost here and now powerfully present. That, my friend, is a good word of hope. The Lord has been guiding our messages this year, and he gave me the title for today before he gave me the content. So last week, the, we said, I hope so, I will hold on. Today is, I hope so, I will let go in order to continue following Jesus. We are going to have to let go of some things. We are going to look at Acts chapter 2 together and discuss some of the letting go revealed there and then apply it to our personal lives. I'm also going to be referencing the events in our national headlines. As we discuss, I will let go. I believe God's word has help for us. The times are heavy. The issues are thorny and unyielding. The heart cry that I have heard from you is one of how long, O Lord. So don't lose hope. He hears these cries. He is walking with us and lighting our way forward with faith, hope, and love. We are about to go into the scripture reading but before we do, I want us to enter a moment of waiting. This kind of waiting is different from what we've been experiencing during COVID-19. Waiting for life to get back to normal, waiting for a cure, waiting for the chance to be together again. I know we are tired of waiting, <laughs> 
But I want us to wait before the Lord just for a moment, preparing our heart to receive his word. Quiet the distractions and demands, and with open hands and hearts, wait on him. Jesus' followers were commissioned to go. Jesus told them they would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But first, he told them to wait. So be ready and receptive. We're going to stay put a moment and wait and trust the Holy Spirit is coming. So it's just going to be a moment of quiet. Just wait and then we will go into the scripture reading. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are People are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. 
In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brethren, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to anoint your word. I pray for your Holy Spirit to anoint our ears, our hearts, our minds, to receive what you have for us today. Let us hold on to the hope that you have given us while being willing to let go of those things that you call us to release. And we trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to expound on the scripture in two ways today. We will look at the crucial universal truth revealed in Acts 2, and we will allow this passage to shed light on some of the ways we may be called to let go in order to see hope renewed as relates to our hurting culture. I am not going to spend as much time on the first part, even though that's the part that we especially celebrate. But the truth is, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit was going to come, and this is what happened. The Holy Spirit came as they were waiting, poured out on them, tongues of fire on them, speaking in languages they did not learn. And the reality is that Peter said that this promise is to us as well. We are those that are afar off and we can receive the blessed promise of the Holy Spirit. We can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can pray in a language given to us by God. And I want to encourage you today that if that's new information to you, let's talk about it sometime. I'm happy to share that with you and let you know the joy of receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receiving a prayer language that is not from your own understanding. God can do that for you. Amen. 
But I want to focus on some of the words from Peter's sermon. After the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the commission of God was activated. <laughs> and this being Jesus' witness, just as we heard, we will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come on you. That's what happened, and Peter preached with power. But let's see what some of the things happened in that sermon. The scripture says that the crowd were cut to the heart. Notice that Peter preaches to them about this Jesus whom you crucified. He called them out and revealed their complicity in the crucifixion of Jesus. And they were cut to the heart. The New Living Translation says Peter's words pierced their hearts. I'm praying for God's word to pierce our hearts today. The truth is, not every person listening to Peter was involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. It is likely that some of the Jewish leaders were there, maybe some of the crowd that had also been the ones that had cried out, crucify him. Maybe some of those that had walked by mocking our Savior as he died, maybe they were there, but not all of the crowd. There were people in the crowd on the day of Pentecost that were not in Jerusalem on the day of Christ's crucifixion. 2,000 years later, Peter's words, though, still hold true. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Messiah and Lord. We are complicit in the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus' death was in response to my sin, to our sin. Salvation came to you when your heart was pierced with the realization of your sin, the knowledge that you cannot save yourself, the understanding that Jesus gave his life for you and you called on the name of the Lord and you were saved. <laughs> you surrendered your claim to self-righteousness. You let go of your demand to control your own life and kneeled before Jesus, making him Lord and Savior. They were cut to the heart. My prayer today is that our hearts would be open just as we waited for that moment in readiness, in receptivity to the Holy Spirit to allow the loving cuts that God may want to do today, that we would be empowered to surrender, to be willing to let go. As I have spent years in the learner seat, listening to the people of color leading in the ministry of reconciliation, I have come to understand that one of the strongest points of resistance that happens within the white community has resonance with this point I just made about the crowd on the day of Pentecost. Even though every member of that crowd was not a part of Jesus' crucifixion, and even though all of us were not present that day, 
of Jesus' literal death, we actually are all implicated. In a similar way, the reality of white supremacy has historic impacts that live on today in ways that are maddeningly invisible to us, yet they powerfully impact the systems and societal structures in which we live. Many times, an immediate response to racial conversations will be along these lines. Somebody else did that, either way back hundreds of years ago, or far away in another part of the country, or some other way of separating ourselves into thinking it is not our problem. We take offense at the suggestion that we bear any complicity. And here's what happens. It shuts down our ability to hear the rest of the conversation. So here is a takeaway tool on this point. This week or in the days to come, if you find yourself in a conversation about race in America, especially if you are white speaking with a person of color, but even among if it's white with white, here's what I want to do. I want you to let go of something. Let go of your first impulse of what to say and instead wait. Listen before responding. Ask the Holy Spirit to anoint your ears to hear and your heart to follow. How should we respond when we get called out? <laughs> when the word pierces through and touches something deep in your heart? Well, here's what the crowd said. They responded, what do we do? Now, sometimes this is a great question. We really are at a loss, and we are expecting that the person who just called us out also has the solution. That's part of the training for preaching. Make sure you have a so what as part of your message. But my friends, other times when we say, what do we do? We are actually suggesting that there doesn't seem to be anything else that we can do. We are asking someone else to do the research, to find the options, to create the path forward, and then maybe we'll come along. Now, in the case of our salvation, Jesus is the way. He laid down his life for us. He opened the new and living way. He poured out his mercy, and we are saved by grace through faith. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. The answer to what do we do or what do I do is going to require letting go of something. So here's the thing. If you ask the question but are already convinced that nothing within you needs to change, there will be no path forward. This is a question I have written in my journal from a session a few years back with a spiritual director. I just want you to hear this question and think about it a minute. What gift 
would I like to ask the Lord for? What gift would I like to ask the Lord for? A very open-ended thing to think about. But it has a second part. And what interior changes will that gift bring or demand? What interior changes will that gift bring or demand? In other words, if I in fact receive the thing I am asking God for, I am implicitly committing myself to the interior changes that the gift will bring or demand. I'm reminded of a situation where uh, years and years ago, our family was blessed to have access to someone else's vacation house. And it was a real blessing to us. It was something that we would not have been able to afford otherwise. And I prayed a prayer um, after that vacation, and it kind of went along the lines of this. I, I didn't just pray for a vacation house. I prayed, Lord, would you make me capable of managing, having something like that that could be a blessing to others? And the truth is, God blessed Craig and I with a lake house. Um, us and the bank are having fun owning that thing together. Uh, but it is something that God has helped us grew us, changed some inner things in us to make us able to manage having something like that. And I'm thankful we've been able to bless others with it. But some of the things that we might pray for as a gift might require some more painful interior changes. I'm reminded of the rich young man that came to Jesus asking what he must do to be saved. He asked the same question, what do I do? Jesus told him to sell his possessions, give them away, and then to come follow him. Basically, Jesus told him to let go. This was not the answer he was expecting, and the scripture says that he went away sad. The result of an unwillingness to let go is going to be that we're going to go away sad. So a takeaway tool is if you are ready to ask, what do I do? I want you to also be ready to let go. But hear me, this is a hopeful letting go, an expectant hope that will bring transformation. So what was Peter's answer to what do we do? He replied, repent. Thank God there is an answer. There is an answer to what do we do. But it is going to require a change. It will mean letting go of something. Repent means to change direction. Stop what is currently normal. Turn around into a new life. Let go. 
the experience of Pentecost was not sufficient in and of itself to turn the hearts of the people. They saw what was happening and heard the 120 speaking in many languages, glorifying God, worshiping and praising and being filled with the Holy Spirit. What they were seeing right in front of their eyes and what they were hearing with their very own ears did not line up with their assumptions, their experiences, or their expectations. And so they dismissed it. They mocked it. They attempted to shame it. When our lived experiences are not the same as others' lived experiences, and we see something unfolding right in front of our eyes that doesn't match our concepts or understandings, I want to encourage us to let go of our sense-making apparatus that would move us into dismissing it or mocking it or shaming it. Thank God that Peter was anointed to preach that day. And verse 41 says that those in the crowd, about 3,000 of them, did in fact repent. They were baptized and they were added to the church. We know that as the early church grew in numbers, they also continued to grow in their understanding of the good news of Jesus, that it truly was for all people, that God was indeed pouring out his spirit on all flesh, that women and men together were witnesses for Jesus. The rhythm of confession and repentance, cleansing and rejoicing continues. Our transformation and kingdom witness is a living thing that as long as we have breath, we reach toward the prize. We have to let go of those things which are behind and strain toward what is ahead as we read last week in Philippians. We are all facing extreme pressure and uncertainty in this moment. It's not enough to just have a pandemic going on, right? I mean, that's Pastor Pickett brought that up. But now we have to have this added on top. You may feel insulated or separated from some of the issues of race that are taking place. And, and I understand that. The needs right in front of you are urgent for healing, for financial provision, for employment or housing, for college plans, for family members, for addictions and disorders, for relationships, etc. All of those things are important. And I wholeheartedly believe that Jesus is inviting us to cast each of these anxieties on him. So why spend time and energy addressing the racial tensions? We don't seem to have any actual racial problems within our own congregation, right? Things seem pretty okay in that regard. We love each other, esteem each other, respect each other. And I am so very grateful for that. I cannot fully articulate everything that I see in our future regarding this. 
We're going to transition into a time of worship and response in a moment, and so I just want you to understand that, that that's where this is going. And, and the Lord is going to allow us to release some of this in worship. Here's what I do know, more powerfully than I can say, that God is calling us, us, Vienna Assembly of God congregation, to be a voice, to be a witness of his spirit poured out on all flesh here in Vienna, Virginia, in Northern Virginia, in the Washington, D.C. region, and unto the ends of the earth. And to expand our influence in that manner requires that we have an authentic voice on all topics, but especially this one. And not just a voice, but tangible action, observable transformation, meaningful engagement to impact the systems that continue to allow for the bruising, bullying, and killing of black and brown bodies. It will take the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We are breaking up the enemy's party when we battle against injustice, when we call for the oppressed to be set free, when we declare Jesus' authority to set at liberty those who are captive. We will need the Holy Spirit's power to let go of some things. We will need to grow in humility and meekness. We will have to deepen our commitment to living in faith, hope, and love. We're going to get ready for worship. I'm going to end with a moment of prayer together, and, and there, it's twofold. All of those things I mentioned just a moment ago, healing, finances, family, college, employment, if any of those things are the main thing that you're really struggling with right now, I want us to take a moment and pray over that. Okay? And then, and then I'll move into the next phase. So let's pray. Father, we know that you care about every one of our needs. We open this morning praying for healing, and I just add my prayer of agreement to that, that, oh, Holy Spirit, we receive the gift of healing in Jesus' name. But I also pray for those with financial needs, with family issues, with relationship issues, with either themselves or friends that are dealing with addictions and disorders. I pray for those that have um, just complicated situations that are very challenging to work through each day. Just the, the volume of uh, labor involved in making some things happen, God. We cast these cares on you. We ask for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in these things. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you for caring for us. Now I want to pray, if you know someone who serves as a first responder, I just heard of one of our friends who's an ambulance driver that's on special duty, a policeman, a National Guards person, 
those that are called to respond around the nation right now. And if you know someone who is participating in peaceful protests and trying to be heard, we need God's spirit to be poured out on our nation. And I want you to engage with me for a moment of prayer in this situation. Let's engage. Father, I pray for all of those who are serving. Would your spirit be poured out in a way that enables us to walk forward in faith, hope, and love, that we would have um, meekness and humility and an ability to serve in Jesus' name, even in clashing situations, God. Please have mercy on us. Forgive us for the violence that has been done. Please help us, oh God. Please help the oppressed voices to be heard. Please pre provide a way for the frustrations that are boiling and boiling over to be vented without violence. And please have mercy on us. We humbly come before you, O oh God, and ask that you heal our land. We need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's come, worship team. We're going to begin worshiping together. Don't leave. You need this moment. You need this moment of worship. Let me just tell you, I've already, we've worked on this together, and I know what's coming, and it's going to seal what we need for the rest of this day. Let's worship the Lord together. We're going to be following a pattern that we find in Scripture of um, the Lord turning our mourning to rejoicing. There's a time in the Old Testament when um, they were rebuilding the wall and the prophet Ezra read the law to the people after they built the wall and they grieved and they mourned. And then Nehemiah said, it is time to stop and to rejoice because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we heard that again today at the time of Pentecost that the sermon that Peter gave, they were cut to the heart and they were led to repentance. And then 3,000 of them were joined to the church and there was great rejoicing. That is the pattern that we're going to follow today. We are going to um, stay in this moment of repentance and mourning, and we are going to move to rejoicing and um, being able to hold on to the joy of the Lord is our strength. So that is where we're headed today.
Thank you. 